Hi, hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is based on one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That question led me on a deep dive into the history of my my faith, the history of the Bible, the canon of Scripture, the Reformation, what happened in church history, and all those things in between and beyond. It was then that I encountered for the very first time Catholic theology, the the Catholic Church in her own words. I realized then that what I thought I knew about Catholics, what they believed, what they did, what they practiced, was based in large part on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap. The gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Bruninger, a Catholic uh, psychologist, professor at Steubenville University, to talk about a really fascinating topic, and that's kind of healing in, in Christ, finding freedom in Christ through healing through the sacraments, through through beginning to unpack what's going on with us in our own interior lives. And how those things intersect and, and dovetail and, and work together with the idea of the faith and with good, solid psychological counseling practices. Uh, Dr. Bruninger, it turns out, is a fantastic guy. It was a lovely conversation. We had a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do it again. I think I have a new friend, actually, to out with down in Ohio, if I get down there again sometime soon. Uh, wonderful conversation. I think you'll love him. He really unpacks the, 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 the faith from an interesting and deep and fascinating perspective. So I think you'll love this conversation. I loved having it. Hopefully that comes out in the conversation. There's so much joy in there and understanding and learning and depth. Hopefully you love that too. These conversations are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. This, guys, isn't my full-time job, and so your help to support the show financially makes it possible to do this uh, time and time again and, and spend time doing this and not have to take up a second part-time job to afford to live. You guys make this whole thing possible, so thank you. If you want to support the show, those links are in the show notes. Please check those out there for how you can do that. And thank you to those who are already faithfully supporting this show week after week. Thanks so much. And now, without any further ado, my conversation with Dr. Matthew Berninger on healing in Christ, finding freedom. It's a fantastic conversation. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on podcast, thank you. Please leave a, uh, please follow the show wherever you find it and leave a rating or review if you can. Those ratings and reviews help to push the podcast out to new people. And if you are watching on YouTube, hello, thank you. Please subscribe to this channel. Follow it. Do all those fun things. Leave some comments down below. And uh, thank you for interacting with us. Uh, this week we are talking about uh, healing life's hurts, Catholic faith, mental health, our, our wounds. It's just going to be a session for me, I think, <laughs> that we're going to do here, but it'll be a great discussion. I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Bruninger. He's an associate professor of psychology at Franciscan University of Steubenville, a research fellow with the Austin Institute for the Study of Family and Culture, as well as a member of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association, the founder of the Wellspring Counseling and Coaching uh, in Steubenville, Ohio, and the author of Finding Freedom in Christ, Healing Life's Hurts from Emmaus Road Publishing. Dr. Bruninger, thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, for showing up, uh, for being here tonight. Thanks for having <laughs> thank me. Thank you and welcome. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad we could connect. Oh my I'm gosh. Really yeah. I'm having a night already. I told you before I hit the buttons, so I apologize to your listeners in advance. <laughs> and, and to you can serve for my absolute incoherence, uh, which I'm sure is going about to be quite evident to those listening. So thanks. Thanks in advance. <laughs> I want to know, first of all, uh, yeah. th- th- tell us a bit about the idea of, I don't know, not, not, not mixing. I don't know what the right word is, but, mm-hmm. but counseling from a, from a Catholic perspective. I can think of, so this show is a lot of people who are maybe converts to the Catholic faith, who are new yeah. Catholics, uh, sure. wrestling with the faith. 
who come from a variety of different backgrounds. And I can think of backgrounds that they may come from. My own was perhaps like this, where counseling was seen as something that, that Christians didn't do or, or didn't yeah, need sure. to do or, or uh, you know, wasn't always looked unfavorably, right? And I want to sure. dig, dig in more to that in a little bit, but just be, give us an idea of, I guess, the genesis of this book and yeah. counseling from a Catholic perspective in general, maybe, if, if you can. Yeah, so... So the genesis of this particular book, um, it's really, it's really. Look, I see so many people all the time who are hurting so badly, and there's so much pain, and there's so much suffering, and we're very good. We're very, very good at putting on a brave face and sort of covering it up. And but I've had the privilege, and I have the privilege so frequently of, of talking to people who look very impressive and prominent on the outside. And when you get to, to know them a bit, you just see how much hurt and how much pain they carry around. And I w- I've been struck by just how universal our suffering is. Look, we live in, a, we live in a, a post-lapsarian world. We live in a world after the fall. And the truth is we hurt one another and we hurt ourselves. And we oftentimes carry these hurts. And I think a lot of Catholics in particular carry these hurts, have some intuition that Christ can heal them or wants to heal them, but don't quite know how to actually engage that healing, how to, how to, how to touch it, how to appropriate that healing. And so this book, the genesis of this book was, I wanted to try to bring to the the Catholic faithful, some of the wisdom and look, it draws on multiple sources. I mean, it's, it's actually been really heavily influenced in some ways by the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think there's actually a tremendous wisdom in the 12 steps, um, a tremendous wisdom. And so that has influenced part of it. Um, Catholic theology and certain sort of Catholic practices, principles of psychology. It's sort of just this, I'm trying to bring together the things that I think um, are, are both wise and true and present them in a way that Catholics feel comfortable approaching. And so part of the genesis of this book is how do we get difficult topics it's supposed to be a little bit like, a, you know, I don't know if you have a dog, but when, you're, when I'm trying to give my dog like, like a, her heartworm medicine, you know, you put it in peanut butter. You know, it's a, a little bit. This is like that. Right. This is the book for this dogs. Is my peanut butter. Um, I want I want some of this stuff to get into to Catholics minds and hearts. And this is how I'm trying to get it into them. Yeah, by calling us all dogs. I look, that's good. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good strategy. Do not even the dogs get the scraps from the <laughs> yes. table. Oh, good. Who, you know? There we go. Like, okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, and I, you know what? I love it. It's a fantastic book. Uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, of, of therapy, of counseling, of, of those yeah. kind of things. We, as a, before we were Catholic, my wife and I were evangelical Christians, and mm. before we were married, her parents bought us. This, I mean, this is funny in hindsight, maybe bought us some pre-marriage counseling sessions. Which, <laughs> okay, uh, on the face of it, I, I tell friends that, and they go, "Well, I think they were trying to tell you yeah. something." Actually, they, yeah. What are you getting at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but for them, that was very valuable in their marriage to have some, yeah. you know, have good Christian counseling, and so they saw the value of that and gave that to us. Yes. So from a very, you know, That's early stage in, in our marriage, and in, in, and we were in our twenties still. So even from that perspective, counseling for us was always very important. So I love this this work. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and there's a lot here to, to, to unpack. I think on the face, yeah. one thing you said there was that, you know, people who say uh, become Christian or become Catholic mm-hmm. from background mm-hmm. maybe have the impression that, okay, I'm Christian now. I'm Catholic now. Yes. I'm going to be fine. Yeah, or, yeah, I, you yeah. Know, or I don't need... I don't need to worry about these hurts that I have, these hangups that I have, because now that I'm Catholic or Christian, those things should should or will go away eventually. Now you yes. you kind of you know you push yes. back on that because that's not yeah. the that's not the case that just because we're, we're Christian, we'll magically those things are just going to disappear, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a great book. Um, I think his name is Jean Claude Larcher. Um, I think he's French, um, but but it, it's a book about sort of mental and spiritual healing in the early Christian East, in the, in the, some of the early Christian fathers. 
um, the church fathers in the East. And what's amazing about them is they actually made the, this distinction. They, they talked about insanity due to somatic problems that look, sometimes people had like, like a knock on the head and like they lost their mind, like something happened to their brain. Right. And then they had insanity due to spiritual causes. Um, and that was when you become entrenched in sin and, and you clearly uh, begin that the, the initial cause is sort of a turning of the mind and the heart away from God and sinful behavior. Um, and then sort of like a more psychological insanity. Um, but even in the early church, there was a recognition of, look, not everything is simply rooted in sort of a turning of the mind and the heart away from God. This sort of, a, we can have, um, faulty thoughts about ourselves. I mean, if I have the wrong beliefs about myself, um, I'm no good. I'm not lovable. I'm not valuable. Uh, these can cause real suffering. And if I feel like it's not okay for me to have certain feelings, it's not okay for me to be angry. It's not okay for me to be sad. It's not okay for me to assert myself, my desires or, or express my desires. So I'm constantly holding them back and you might say zeroing myself out. I'm going to feel depressed and, and it's not abundantly clear there that the, it, there's some evident sin. Um, and so I think this could be a great, like, I think we have to have, um, and, and Catholic theology has this, a robust notion of the human person. We are, we are a, we're a hylomorphic being. We have body and soul. And I find, I'd be curious, you talk to probably many more Catholics than I do, but I oftentimes find that Catholics fall prey to um, a sort of dualism. Like we take the sort of spiritual, mental stuff to be the real stuff. But anything like about the body, we still sort of eschew. We still sort of, yeah. And so I think there's something at play there for some Catholics. Like psychology feels like, I mean, that's brain stuff. That's body stuff that, we're, we're, we're supposed to be concerned only with the higher things, the idea, the intellectual good, the spiritual goods. And sometimes I think we need to pay more attention to, um, yeah, the psychological dimension. Yeah. Anyway. And I think what's interesting for me, so I, I come from a Pentecostal kind of background and for me and others, yeah. And others who I've talked about on this show, I know that shared, the shared belief system there often would be one that's maybe kind of not negative, but adversarial towards say, yeah. say, oh, yeah. say counseling, right? Because the idea is, okay, if you're experiencing this kind of thing, you're not praying hard enough. Yeah, or you're sure. not really wanting this enough, or you're not surrendering oh. enough to Christ in, in this yeah. area. Right? And the solution is, well, surrender more in that area or pray harder for that thing, right? Sure. There's there's never the sense, and, and often too, I found this as I became a Catholic, there was never really any uh, direction on how to do that. Right? Yeah, sure. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm a Catholic and I, and I sin, I can go to confession. I can receive yes. the Eucharist. And that can begin to be a path forward for, for things I'm doing that are, that are sinful. Yes. As a Pentecostal Christian, it was like, well, stop doing that. There was no kind of, there was no confession. There was no yes. Eucharist to go and receive to be tangibly receiving that grace. It was more of a nebulous kind of, well, yes. stop doing that. Turn away. That's your yes. problem. But a lot of these things, and I wanted to get into it with you to the please. sacraments and those kind of things at, at some point, but yeah, please. because I think obviously there's there's value in that as, as Catholics, coupled with with you know getting over these these wounds and and, yeah, and, sure. and stuff. But there is that for many people approaching the Catholic faith, there is that idea that hey, if I just pray harder, or if I just no. if I just surrender this area more, I'll get over this thing, or I'll 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 fix this area of my life, and I think. Yeah. What you explain in, in, in this book is, no, there are actual things that, yes, we're incorporating our, our faith and our Catholicism, yeah. but there are things that we can't just pray away and expect yeah. us to go away, right? And one of the reasons I think we can't pray them away, and look, the caveat here, right, is obviously um, God can do whatever he wants, right? <laughs> uh, you know, God, if God wants to take away your anxiety, your depression, if he wants to give you like amazing self-esteem right now, if he wants to take away these intrusive thoughts, of course you can. It tends not to be often 
the case that that's how he operates, though. It seems like what he does is he allows us to heal through the natural channels and mechanisms um, that are sort of uh, most aligned to being human. And that's, we tend to heal through relationships with others, right? This sort of like these things are deeply embedded in our, our Catholic anthropology. We're relational creatures. And um, so, so let me say this. I think one of the reasons we can't just pray things away is precisely because um, very often our psychological constitution, our, our beliefs about ourselves, others in the world, our, our beliefs about emotions, our feelings, they actually serve as a barrier to encountering God's grace. Like we tend, like there's a whole bunch of literature out there on the fact that we tend to view God using the template um, that we learned from our early caregivers. So this is called attachment with kids. You know, you have kids. Uh, your kids, hopefully, God willing, have a secure attachment to you, which means that um, when they're uh, afraid or scared, or when they run to you, they feel safety and security. And in fact, in times of threat or distress, they want to run to you. We learn, like, our own personal value, uh, whether or not it's okay to express our needs, how safe we are, how safe the world is. We learn that in our early caregiver relationships. And if we have really safe, secure relationships, we tend to use that as a template for how to view the world and other relationships, including God. So look, if you had really, really crappy parents or you had parents that were really inconsistent or emotionally immature or emotionally distant, you're likely to relate to God in that way. It shapes how you think about and actually relate to God the Father. So when people are like, well, just pray it away, you're like, that's my mom trying to beep through. If she can join, that would be interesting, actually. Let's hear this. Like, it's just very mom. Freudian. Yeah. It's just like a Freudian <laughs> term here, right? Yeah. Um, You're saying so, you, you tend to you tend to pray. Yeah, you tend to approach God with that template. Yeah. So you might approach God um, and hold parts of yourself back. You might approach God as somebody who's distant and authoritarian. You might. So sometimes like we can't even see the parts of ourselves that are serving as barriers to actually encountering God as he is or encountering God's grace. We're not actually disposed to it because sort of psychologically um, we're sort of twisted and hurt and out of joint, disjointed. And so really focusing on the psychological dimension can actually help open us up. It can help dispose us to having a an encounter with Christ or with the Father um, in a more real, authentic way. Like it, I, I view it oftentimes as removing the barriers to God's grace. That that oftentimes my anger, my fear, my um, my mom says, good night, baby, I love you. Seven hearts. She always puts it. <laughs> eight hearts. She puts a heart for everyone in the family. Um, explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tend to view a lot of my work as removing the obstacles or barriers to God's grace. And that once we begin to allow people to sort of open up and experience this freedom, they approach God in new ways. They approach God with fresh eyes. They they open themselves up to um, the risk of experiencing God anew. But that's really hard to do when we're like operating on these old patterns that are sometimes unhealthy. And so, look, I get it. Um, there is some wacky stuff out there too. Like, right, there, there's, you know, there's some wacky stuff out there. And so Christians are sometimes, uh, you know, rightfully worried or skeptical or, but we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, there, there are plenty of good therapists, and therapy in general um, can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. But I've worked with a Pente- I, I know a Pentecostal fellow who told me. <laughs> oh no! He said he came from like like backwoods Tennessee Pentecostal, <laughs> and he said that growing up in his congregation, if they wore a T-shirt. It meant that they um, were like 
possessed or had like a demon. Oh, and so he like wore a t-shirt and he, they, they like performed an exorcism and the proof <laughs> that you had been exercised of the demon was you would speak in tongues. Oh. He said, here I was 11 years old having to like fake it. Like I'm speaking in tongues, you know, and how, how damaging in some cases might that be, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I think, and I'm not saying this about certainly about all Christian denominations. I mean, Catholicism has its own wacky strands too. Right. But sometimes, you know, we do harm just like psychology or, or therapists can do harm to folks. Sometimes we do harm to, to one another. Um, with the faith. And, and so yeah. we ought to be mindful of that as well. I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's good. And, and one of the things that are maybe, a, I don't know, a misconception or one of the things that might uh, rub people or people encounter the wrong way or be surprised to encounter is the idea of suffering, right? It, mm. and suffering, you have a chapter on suffering and you distinguish yeah. suffering from pain too. And I think it's interesting. Maybe talk about that in, in a second too. Yeah. But this one of those things, again, so I, I teach the class, I taught a class a number of years for new Catholics becoming Catholic, our CIA. And I always, we always do a, a week on suffering and I always say, okay, you're going to become Catholic, but you will suffer. Like just so you, you will, and I'm very, very clear. I stand up there. You will yeah. suffer. Don't think you won't, like you will suffer. And I just repeat it over and over again for an hour, just over and over. That's that's all I do. Because there's that, that, I don't know, the myth of the idea that, that we, I don't know, somehow will be free from suffering. And and it's not the case. Non-Catholic, non-Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, Muslim, Mormon, I mean, non-religious of any affiliation, atheists, we're all going to, the atheists love this because this is always a thing that they'll they'll get into, right? But but, but suffering is something everyone will encounter, right? And I think that's something that's, that's, that's something to be understood, to appreciate, yes. but you know, I, as you begin the, the Catholic walk, certainly you will encounter suffering along that route, even if you are, oh, you should expect it, I think, right? I, what do you think? Yeah, no, you should. No, you're right, man. I mean, it's actually like, I mean, in one way, it's like Christ says, like, if anyone's going to follow me, he has to pick up his cross. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going to suffer. And like you said, disciple of Christ or not, we're going to suffer. Uh, but, but look, I actually think, um, I kind of came to this and I think it's reasonable maybe, but so one of my definitions of healing is having the freedom. I think we can say we've been healed when we have the freedom to follow God's voice and to go wherever he calls us to be healed is to have the freedom to go wherever God calls us to be able to love and serve him, you know, with whom and to whom and in whatever situation he calls us. Now, what's interesting about that definition is to be healed. Doesn't mean the absence of suffering. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean, um, yeah, it's not a freedom from suffering. It's a freedom to go wherever God calls you and to bring your suffering with you. And so I have two thoughts about that. The first thought is, I think St. Paul is a model of this. Um, He has that thorn in his flesh, and he asks the Lord to remove it three times. And Christ doesn't remove it. Christ does not remove it. He leaves the thorn, and thorns are painful. Thorns are wounds. Thorns cause suffering. And so does that mean St. Paul's left unhealed? I think the answer is no. St. Paul isn't left unhealed. Even though he's still suffering, what he's given is the freedom to go wherever God calls him and to bring his suffering with him. And that is is a real healing, to be free to go wherever God calls you and bring it. Because most of us end up trying to um, orchestrate our lives as a reaction to our suffering. We try to avoid suffering. And so in our attempts to avoid suffering, we We're not free to go wherever God calls us. We have to avoid people, places, and things. We can't say certain things. We can't feel certain feelings. We can't go to certain places because they're going to trigger us. We try to avoid suffering. And in trying to avoid suffering, we're not free to go wherever God calls us. St. Paul is healed because he can go wherever the Lord calls him and bring his suffering with him. So what I think, that's a long way of saying, I actually think one definition of suffering is um, the ability to, uh, sorry, one definition of healing is the ability to suffer well. A lot of us react to our suffering. We're reactive. We're avoidant. We're repressive about it. We're, we're trying to get out of it, minimize it, destroy it, right? 
to be healed is to be able to suffer well. It's not to be reactive. It's not to be um, knee-jerk. It's not to be avoidant. It's to be able to go wherever God calls us and just bring our suffering with us. And I think that's suffering well. So we're going to suffer. Yeah. 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 So what does that look like? I mean, practically, I I can think of for, so we made a big, a huge move for our family last year. We moved from a place we've been for 20 years, a job I had for 15 years, uprooted it all and moved following the Holy Spirit. Where'd you move from? We moved from the Kitchener, Ontario area, uh, just kind of directly north of where you are to a bit uh, further west of <laughs> northwest of where you are to Sarnia, okay. Ontario, across the river from Detroit, and that for us was a big move. We gave up a lot of you know our, our friends, uh, some family there, a, a job, a stable job, a, a big move for us. It's worked out amazingly. I mean, it's been it's been miraculous. All these things were given back to us in in, in tenfold. Right, this, the story of Job is reminiscent of our own our own plight here. Right, but yeah, yeah. there was a lot of suffering in the middle of that. Right, when when yeah. I quit my job and didn't have a job to to go to, and we're, was applying for jobs and waiting for a call for a job, there was this uncertainty. And this, yeah. it, it felt like suffering. I, I, yeah. I felt like, oh, this doesn't feel so sure. I'm not, I, I, I'm, we're trusting God, yeah. but nothing's happening yet. That felt like suffering. I don't know if I did that well or not. Well, <laughs> did you start beating your kids? <laughs> no. The mandatory no, no, reporter. I did, yeah, I did, no, I, I also am too, actually, as a report myself. <laughs> right. So. right? Like, my point is, yeah, right? Yeah. In pain, in that distress, yeah. in that fear, in that uncertainty, did you start, like, we ask ourselves, what does God want from me? Yeah. What does God want from me? And, and I think uh, Galatians 5.13, you were, you're called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only use that freedom not for things of the flesh, but to, to love and serve one another. So God's calling you to be a maximum service to him and to your fellow man, to your children, to your wife. During that time of suffering... Did you like start whomping on your kids, screaming at them? Did or did you keep reading the books? Yeah. Were you gentle and did you show them how to how to be kind to one another? Did you help them grow emotionally? Were you scaffolding? You know all this stuff in child development. Were you being a father with your wife? Were you leaning into her feelings? Were you helping her clean? Were you helping her unpack? Were you help? Like that's suffering well. Suffering well is doing what God's asking you to do and bringing your uncomfortability, your uncertainty, and your fear your anxiety with you. And so you can feel anxious and still help your wife clean or help your wife unpack or help your kids try to get along. There's times when I do that well. And then there's times when I let my anxiety, I say, like, I feel anxious. You're making it worse. Knock it off. Stop. You stop having problems because my life is right. And then I'm not suffering well. And then I'm being reactive. And then I'm, I'm not free. And I'm certainly not doing what God's asking me to do. And so yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, you are certainly suffering. A move is a, I don't know, they have that list. I forget who, in psychology, there's that list of like the most, um, I don't know, like impactful life events. And it's like death of a spouse, death of a child, and then moving. Like it's top five for sure. You know what I mean? Um, so you were suffering. Yeah. You had to let go of friends. You had to let go of stability. You had to, but in that, did you scramble and seek for certainty? Did you turn to drugs and alcohol to numb out the feelings? Did you, or did you like pour yourself out and ask God each day, what are you asking of me, yeah, Lord? Yeah. I think dude, healing, at least the way I conceptualize it, is it's to be able to be free to like serve the Lord. It's about daily conversion. Like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto you. First thing, like the first thing we need to worry about is God, what's your will for me today? And if I try to radically seek that out in all things, it turns out my job, like things in my job, I get what I need. Put it that way. I don't always get what I want, but I get what, exactly what I need when I seek God's will first in everything, not some things, everything. I want to be of radical service today to you, Lord. And I say this over and over throughout the day. What's your will for me? What's your will? What are you asking me now? What do you want in this conversation? with this child at this moment, and to the extent that I do that and I seek the kingdom for God's will first, everything else is added to me. The book is selling. Is it, is it, is it a, you know, is it a New York times bestseller? No, 
Will it be after this podcast? Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, both of God. Yeah, right. But look, it's not like, but it, it's things, dude, I'm seeing doors open. Yeah. If I just keep seeing yes to what God's asking of me in each moment and the money that our family needs is falling into place and the money for braces and the money, you know, it's all the things that I want to stress about are added unto me when I'm focusing on being of maximum service to God and my fellow man. And that's healing. I have insecurities. I have fears. I've, and I bring them with me as I say yes to doing what God asks of me. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a good word. As we'd say, we would say in a, in a Pentecostal community, that's a good, that's a good word, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the black in the black church you just go mm, 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 mm. <laughs> i just broke the microphone laughing too laughing too loud <laughs> so you, you differentiate pain from suffering yeah. i think that's really interesting yeah. can you unpack that a little bit for us because that's that's it's interesting yeah it's an important i think this is um yeah I, I, I hope this is a helpful distinction for people, but I think suffering is um, the distress, the, the natural distress we feel when somebody fails to love us the way we were created to be loved or prevents us from loving the way we were created to love. And so suffering, suffering is what arises when, when we're not loved the way we're created to be loved or, or we're barred from loving the way we desire to love the way we were created to love and that's that's that there's distress there suffering is distressing it it hurts but what many of us do is we compound our suffering by adopting false beliefs right so for example uh, my my father walks out my biological father walks out when i'm four years old that's a suffering it's a suffering but then what happens is I tell myself, I'm never going to be able to be a good father because I haven't had a good father. And if I am a father, I'm going to be just like my, my biological father. Well, I've just deepened and extended my suffering by adopting those false beliefs because now I feel like despair. I'm never going to be able to be a good father. I'm never going to be able to, to love my kids the way I want to love them. I'm never, I've just deepened and extended my suffering. And so I think that pain is what we add to suffering. Pain is our contribution. Suffering is the natural effect of, of not being loved the way we're going to be loved or you know, having obstacles to loving the way we desire to love. But pain is what we add. So let me give another example. Um, I think oftentimes a lot of our anxiety, depression, you know, sense of meaninglessness, I think it's actually like in a lot of ways um, we can, we contribute to it. What I mean by that is we set ourselves up to be hurt by others. We set ourselves up. And so, um, the example I oftentimes gives it, it's sort of silly, but you know, when I first moved to Steubenville, we go to this church, Scott Hahn goes there, John Bergsma goes there, Richard Martin, like the who's who of, <laughs> of 90s Catholicism, right? It's like, and, and Scott is probably the most prominent American Catholic, right? It, of the 20, I mean, popular American Catholic. He's just, and he's sitting in the back of the church and I walk in with these six children and uh, four children at the time. And, you know, what do I walk in with though? What do I bring to the equation? I want to be excessively liked, right? And um, I think that um, if I can get certain colleagues to like me, then I'll feel safety and security, right? I'm seeking security for myself. So what have I done? So my kids start acting like kids, right? And I'm feeling my blood boil. I'm feeling <laughs> angry, right? And, and now I'm starting to feel anxious, what are people thinking? Oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm not a good father. I'm supposed to be a Catholic psychologist. My kids should be like the Von Trapp children. You know what I mean? We should be able to sing in harmony, like in different languages, you know. Um, and I'm feeling anxious. And then I leave and I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry and I'm anxious. 
And the question is, is the problem really my children? And I think the answer is most of us look outside of ourselves to find the problem when in fact, I have actually a fair amount of control over what just happened because the truth is I have an excessive desire to be liked by my colleagues and I have an excessive desire um, to be esteemed by others. And if I didn't walk into that situation with those excessive desires, I wouldn't have left the situation anxious and angry. Like I set myself up to experience pain. So I think of pain as what we cause, what we contribute to a situation. So in that particular case, that would be pain. I I want to say I'm suffering so much, babe, I'm so anxious, I'm so angry. And the truth is, it was me. And, and I do this all the time. In so many scenarios, I set myself up to be hurt by others. By walking into a situation with unrealistic expectations, by having excessive desire for something. Like I could speak to a room of a hundred people and 99 people could like it. And one person doesn't. So I walk into the room and I, I tell myself, I need everyone in the room to like me. I need, I need, I need to be liked by everyone. That's a lie. It's not true. I don't. And then when that one person doesn't like me, I am just, I can't sleep at night. <laughs> and I'm shit. Oh my gosh. I, and I, then I start building up the case again. Like, how dare they? They were so rude. I can't believe they were so ignorant. I can't believe that. But was the problem them or, or if I didn't go into the situation with that excessive desire that I wouldn't feel that way. And so what I think of the distinction between suffering and pain is suffering is natural. Suffering is going to happen. Suffering is unavoidable. Pain is optional. Pain is what I contribute. I deepen or extend suffering by priming the pump for situation. I go into situations and I set myself up and then I go, how dare you? How dare you? I mean, you know, I, we do all sorts of things. Um, I'll, I'll, I love this one too. I mean, these are obvious examples and I think there's more subtle examples, but I'll, I'll take my kids, you know, I want to go out and, and, you know, maybe go to a Christmas party or a Halloween party and we'll bring the kids and, you know, we stay till 8 30, 9 o'clock at night, maybe 10 o'clock at night. And now, late. You know, right? One of the kids <laughs> starts getting mouthy and disrespectful, and he's being, right? And another kid is totally dysregulated and they're losing control. And I get angry <laughs> and I'm justified. Look at their behavior, right? I, and I go home and I'm just, well, did I not set myself up? Was that not when I decided to stay past the time when I knew my kids could have success, when a, when a three-year-old could be reasonably expected to be able to like exercise some emotional control. And no, that's like, this is on me. That's pain. When I learned to let go of some of those, and here's what I think is beautiful, man, at least for me. So often the ways that I set myself up to be hurt by others, this is the irony Oftentimes, those things are adopted as self-protection strategies from wounds that I received previously. So my excessive desire to be liked by colleagues, that's, that's a protection strategy that I adopt because I've been hurt in the past. And so because I've been hurt and I haven't been esteemed, I haven't been valued, I think I'm going to go make sure people like me. I'll show them just how impressive I am. And then I go out and I show them how I show you how impressive I am and you don't respond the way I need you to respond. And then I get hurt. But the problem isn't you. The problem is my self-protection strategy set me up to be hurt by you. And what I need to do is identify all these self-protection strategies because you know what else they do? They cut me off from God's grace. Yeah. I, that was a lot of me talking. <laughs> that was, that was, Yeah. That was wonderful. <laughs> All the Catholic families are going, yeah, yeah, Dr. Berniger, that's it. We have. <laughs> I can hear a lot of young Catholic families relating to those examples. We, yeah, I mean, we certainly are. Yeah. 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 The mass is like, oh. Yeah. Well, we, we you know, are in a new city and at a, at a new parish and we, roll in there with our, th- with our three kids and they're enough. And we always sit at the front because 
I like the front and we can't see people behind us who are rolling their eyes at us, right? <laughs> We're right there, right? But you want to make a good impression. And it's like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, what? <laughs> and I totally, you know, I, and I think a lot of people can resonate with that kind of situation, right? Those things you're bringing to that are what's going to cause yeah. the problems. But it's one thing to want to like bring it to what degree do I want to make a good impression, right? Because yeah. if I have an excessive desire to make a good impression, then all of a sudden I can't let my kids be kids. Uh, if my spouse is something that I feel embarrassed by now, all of a sudden I'm like, it just can be a recipe to set ourselves up to be hurt by the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about, about wounds too. I think maybe it's yeah. I don't know if separate from this or not. You mentioned that some of these things are, are related to wounds that you are already, you're, you're carrying around, right? Is where these protection things come from. But what can we yeah. say about wounds, wounds in general? Because again, a lot of people may be approaching the faith with, with wounds or, yeah. or, or be wounded as a Catholic, right? Yeah. Uh, we had the lovely experience of being newish Catholic converts and then uh, encountered a priest scandal. A very good friend of ours who was uh, a priest, yeah who's now not a priest anymore. <laughs> so I'll say that much. Oh. Right. For, yeah. and, and actually I think the harder part for that, and this is probably layers of trauma for me, Dr. Bringer, yeah. we can work out off the yeah. air, but was that <laughs> this happened in the midst of me teaching the RCAA class for our parish when oh. the scandal broke. Yeah. So here's a class of brand new Catholics and the priest who had just confirmed them, given them their first Eucharist uh, during, during the COVID lockdown, which is like another layer of layer of trauma. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. embroiled in a huge scandal and laicized. And we're and I'm left holding the bag. They're left as new Catholics going, what just happened? Right. I and know. there's there's a there was a lot of wounding happening there. Right. Now I've seen a good yes. therapist a bunch of times and, and yes. <laughs> there's there's healing taking place. Yeah. But yeah, we, yeah. we we this is my own personal example uh, of where wounds are, right? We we carry around wounds. So yeah. what do we do with those? <laughs> Yeah, great question. So I think, right, um, two things. One is that, and again, my definition of a wound, right, it's, it's deeply tied to this idea of suffering, is that a wound is a failure to be loved the way you're created. A wound arises when we fail to be loved the way you're created to be loved um, or are blocked from loving the way we're created to love. So uh, what are we supposed to do with our wounds? We're supposed to hold them. We're supposed to present them to Christ and like his wounds over time, our wounds um, will become vehicles of grace for ourselves and others. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's, but here's the thing. That's if we, that's if we can learn to hold them, hold our woundedness and not react to it, not try to avoid the suffering, not try to avoid the distress, not try to, not try to get out of it as quick as possible, not try to forget it, not try to, we have to learn to hold it. Actually, I was talking to Scott Hahn. He lives down the road from me here. Yeah, of course, um, of course. Here we go. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I was talking to John Bergsma today, by the way. Listen, I'm not, I'm not named. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm either. Not named, no. yeah. <laughs> I'm just, First this is races. like true. They use it okay. <laughs> and he said, he said, part of what I think Christ is trying to teach us is how not to be so afraid of suffering. And I think there's something true about that. There's a beautiful about that. We, we, we hear suffering, we think suffering, we, and the fear arises in our hearts and we want to run from it. We want to minimize it. We want to avoid it. And the truth is if we can learn to hold it, hold this wound, hold this pain. And I don't mean pain in sort of the, the distinction I make. I mean, just like holding the distress yeah holding the hurt, then one, it changes over time. It changes over time. It naturally changes over time. But two, God will use that very often. Like when Christ raises from the dead, when our Lord resurrects, he still has his wounds. I mean, that's really interesting. Like he could have not, right? That's like, <laughs> he could have just like, huh, no wounds, right? But those wounds are still there, but they're glorified now. And I think this happens to us when we, when we learn to hold suffering and allow Christ to enter our suffering, when we bring him into it. And, and that's not, I, look, there's no magical formula here. There's no like, 
It's like, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I'm afraid. I'm scared. Take it and sit with me in it. And by take it, I don't mean like get rid of it. I mean like sit with me in it. I'm, I want to share it with you. I want you in this. Please bring your light, bring your love, bring your grace, bring your love me even in this wound. Because again, if a wound is a failure to be loved the way you're created to be loved, the solution really is to be loved the way we were created to be loved. And only God can do that ultimately. So we invite God into the wound. It's not going to go, in most cases, it's not going to go away overnight. In most cases, that love is like steeping a tea bag in hot water. It's like God's love slowly heals that wound. If we don't put up our protection strategies around it, that's our impulse. If we don't put our protection strategies around it and invite God into it, he begins to heal it. And then we'll see over time how he uses this hurt that we've experienced to draw others to himself through it. Like, like your experience with that priest, it gives you an insight into something that not everyone has. And it probably also gives you a certain insight into how to hold that tension between like honoring and reverencing priests and recognizing that like priests are sinful fallen human beings that ultimately it is Christ. Right. Like, a, yeah. You, so you probably have a unique perspective and I don't know how God's going to use that, but I suspect he will, man. I suspect he already has, but no doubt you're going to meet people who only you can like minister to only you can speak to. And he will use that experience you had to bring hope and healing and light to them in a way that I can't. If, if you don't cover it up with self-protection strategies and try to avoid it and negate it and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. That's good. You know, it's it's remarkable that you're, you're right. And it has, and it continues to, right? I mean, it, it's given me an insight into doing this show and episodes that of, of this show and reaching people that I wouldn't have been able to relate to otherwise, right? And and when, for us personally, when our, our parish community just fell to pieces after the scandal broke, we're closely tied to this this priest and the work he was doing, and it imploded when this all happened, right? And, and we thought, how are we ever going to find or rebuild this this community, right? We had actually, as a family, moved with this priest Two different, he was he was transferred to a parish. We moved with him to a new parish, mm. and, and served there. So we were closely tied to him and his ministry and his work, and we loved it. It, it was fantastic. And an employer, we went, "How are we ever going to rebuild this thing?" And then this calling came for us to, you know, a few years later, to move to a new city mm. and new, and we and we're here now, and and, and we are in a, a community of Catholics that we've never been in before. That's, that's incredible. Like you know, it's one of those things that you you couldn't imagine when you're way back here and things fell apart, how it ever could be this good, yeah. right? That that suffering could push you to make this move, right? To something that was even even better than you were ever part of before, right? So we we sit back and yeah. go, yeah, you know, I, I see now. God's given us the grace to see the roadmap a little bit, like a little peek of of what we've, you know, you you can sometimes, I think, have glimpses into into the, the, the shape of your life, right? That God gives yes. us these small, and, and Here's when we go, look, we can see back here where this all happened and it fell apart. We had no idea, but look where we've come to here. This, and this pushed us here. It's this beautiful, like amazing community of Catholics that, that's a thousand times better than we ever were part of before. <laughs> right? So and I mean, imagine, imagine if you had tried to like wrestle control and manipulate yeah, yeah. the old situation to, to sort of make it what you needed it or thought you wanted it to be. If you hadn't been willing to just hold that suffering and go where God called you and bring some of that pain and hurt with you, like you couldn't have, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. So as a Catholic, the sacraments, I think, are uniquely interesting in terms of healing, right? I can think of, Mm. again, I mentioned this before, but the idea that, so as a non-Catholic Christian, if I felt a disconnect from God, if I was stuck in a sin, if I was struggling, we were, you'd, you'd pray. You simply just pray. You kneel down sure. and pray and say, God, please forgive me. I've done this. I need your help with this area. And if you didn't feel something, that often was kind of a failing on your part. You had to kind of ramp yeah. up the feeling of forgiveness or ramp up the feeling of, yeah, yeah, God is there. And it was a very nebulous kind of 
outside of yourself kind of thing. You had to try and and muster up, and often you you feel yes. like a failure if you couldn't feel forgiven, right? I can't think of the number of times where I've heard a sermon from the pulpit in a, in a in an evangelical church that made you feel like if you didn't feel forgiven, there was something wrong with you because you should you should feel forgiven. Mm. Right, and the distinct difference for me in becoming Catholic, and for so many converts that have gone down this road, is that suddenly you have access to reconciliation, confession, yeah. and the and yeah. the Eucharist. You, you have access to these things that are are tangible reminders yes. of God's grace yes. And, yes. and forgiveness. So I want to talk for a little bit about how those can be used as vehicles for healing, because for me it's, yeah. it seems like a no brainer, right? Yeah. At the same time, I can see somebody just going back and, and confessing habitual sins and not, and not actually yeah, growing. Sure. And that could be maybe sure. a, or, or scrupulousness. I mean, they're all, sure. there are downsides. But let's talk for a second, though, about vehicles of healing. I see a lot of potential yeah. there. In my own life, I've, I've definitely experienced that as well. Yeah, I think um, that's right. I mean, so, so let's say the negative side of it is something like we all know people uh, who have gone to um, mass weekly, sometimes daily mass for years, decades, and they're, they're just miserable wretches. <laughs> uh, they're just, you know, there's just angry SOBs. And, uh, and you think, well, um, what is that? Right. And so, so in some ways, um, this ties back to an earlier point I made, which is, uh, we have to, we need to be disposed to, to the graces of the sacrament. We need to, and I think oftentimes what happens is um, we approach the sacraments with these self-protection strategies that we employ in every other relationship um, with our excessive need to be esteemed, with our excessive needs for security, with our greed, with our self-loathing. With our, we approach with these protection strategies and, and they sort of serve as a barrier to the grace that God wants to give us. The analogy I use with the sacraments sometimes is I feel like the sacraments are like the sun and we're like a, a greenhouse and, um, and our, our self-protection strategies are like, I don't know, spray paint or algae or something that covers the greenhouse glass. It's not like the sun has gone away, but, but the rays of the sun are blocked out by the, by the algae or by the spray paint. And so what's, so the inside, the plants inside die. What confession is able to do, sort of, confession is like us, we're able to take that spray paint or that algae and clean it away. I think what people oftentimes do in confession is they confess the fruit of their 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 problem. They confess, so like anger, the example with church for me is I, I go, I confess anger all the time. I'm, I'm so angry with my kids, God. I'm just so angry with my kids. I'm so angry. Week after week after week, and I'm not getting better. <clears throat> That's because I'm anger is a sin, sure, and, and especially you know, it, it's a sin. But the real problem here, right, is not the anger. The anger is a fruit f- for me of excessive fear. When do I get most angry at my kids? When I'm afraid they won't represent me well. I get really angry at my kids in homeschool when I feel like you're not learning this. And what if you go to college and you embarrass me in front of my colleagues? I'm a college professor. And now I'm, I'm, I'm hammering my six year old in in his times tables, you know, you don't know what three times three is. Yeah. Like, how dare you? You're going to embarrass me. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I teach great one math. Dude, it's like, but I go to confession over and over. I'm confessing anger, but well, you know what I'm not confessing? That I have an excessive fear. Or I'm not confessing I have an excessive uh, need to be esteemed by colleagues. Right? And so I think the sacrament of confession is a wonderful place to confess not only the fruit, right, uh, of, of the problem, which is a sin, but also the root of the problem, um, which is a sin, which is my, are my self-protection strategies are sin. And they're, they're sins precisely because they're self-protection. It's me taking care of myself. No, thanks, God. I got this. I'll figure out how to get what I need. 
instead of saying, God, you stand guard at the gate. You show me what I need. You help me. There's, there's sin in the sense that it's about me trying to care for myself and not trusting in the goodness of God. And so confession can serve as this beautiful gift where I conf- confess the root and the fruit and clear away the self-protection strategies that prevent the sunlight from pouring in. And then I go and receive the Eucharist and I'm touched by love. Remember, if our wounds are failures to be loved, where more intimately do I touch love than in the Eucharist? And man, it's so helpful for me anyway. It sounds like for you too, for so many, that it is tangible. Yeah. You know, like when I read God loves me, I'm like, okay. But there's been times when I've, I've gone up to receive and I've just felt so unlovable and so unworthy. And I think, well, God, that's you, Lord. You could disappear right now. Like you don't, but you're here. You still allow me in all my smallness and unworthiness to receive you. Like what must you, you must think of me like highly. You must love me. You must, because you allow me, like I'm, I'm holding you. You let me hold you. And the only people I let hold me <laughs> are, are people who love me, right? My wife, <laughs> my best friend, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, like Keep we going. only allow ourselves yeah. to be held by people we love and we only hold people we love. And so when I distrust my own love for the Lord too, I go up and I say, well, but Lord, I only hold those who I love. And even though I don't feel it. And that's like parenting. You told me this morning, five o'clock in the morning, your kid's screaming, right? Were you, were you filled with like some sort of like, like deep sense of love? No, like, of course you weren't. You were miserable. You were miserable. But how do you know that you love your child even when you don't feel it? Because you're holding her. Yeah. You're sitting there holding her anyway. And the same with our Lord. Like that tangible dimension is so important for sensible creatures like us. If we were angels, we wouldn't need it, but we're not. St. Thomas makes a big deal out of this. You know, we're, we are creatures who, who um, we learn through our senses. Anything in our mind has first come through the senses. The senses matter. Touch, taste, smell. They. This is important. It's a real intimate part of what it means to be a human. And so, um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's that's good stuff. There's a there's there's so much in here to unpack, and I and I will put links obviously to find this book in the show notes because yeah. you actually this isn't like a twelve step book, but you have some steps here that are helpful to begin to un- unpack this, and I think it's yeah it's not it's not it's not a cheesy self help book. I mean, I can I can say it. I would tell you to your face if it was. Thanks, <laughs> such thank a really you. Good. I appreciate it's not, that. It's, it's I, not I a cheesy self-help book. Like there's, a, there's actual tangible stuff here that's I think awesome and and, and rooted good. in our faith and good. and and based on your you know your expertise and your experience and uh, what you're doing. I, I wonder. Give us a little taste though, maybe because because you can't obviously unpack the whole sure. thing. And I want to ask one more question here and let, let you go. And sure. Lord knows I gotta go and and put the, some some fires that are I'm sure happening in different floors of this, this house. <laughs> those fires have names. Yeah. Each of those fires is a name, Dude. and I love them, and I'll hold them all night long. <laughs> <laughs> maybe here's my question though. Maybe yeah. uh, step one, yeah. step one towards you know finding freedom and that and that healing. What would you say? Not uh, not to just not to just to tease the book because we we can do that too. But yeah. but what's the first step somebody can take to begin to to find yeah. that freedom? How embarrassing would it be if I said something different than what you're looking at right <laughs> now? Yeah, uh, the here's I think the first step is um, admitting that we're hurting. Um, I think the first step is admitting that we're suffering. Admitting that there are still things that bother us. I mean, we're not going, we're not going to be open to the remain, like the rest of the steps. We're not going to be open to the journey of healing unless we first humbly and honestly admit that there's still pain and hurt there. So many people carry around and look, you know, oftentimes parents are, are doing the best they can. I genuinely believe that but they, we get hurt by them and it can feel disloyal. 
or like we're being ungrateful to, to admit that, but many, many people in good Catholic families experience significant hurt, woundedness from their parents. And, and not always intentionally, sometimes intentionally, but not always intentionally. But unless we admit that we're hurting, then we're just going to keep up the facade. We're going to keep up. We're going to, we're going to keep on the mask. We're going to, we're just going to keep pretending. We're going to keep covering up our pain and our hurt and smiling. And everyone's going to think we're, you know, yeah, Catholic of the year. And, and we're not, we're not going to actually be able to touch the depths of Christ's healing and, and, the dynamism of his grace unless we like surrender and to, to admit that we're hurting is to admit that like, I don't have the answers anymore, Lord. I've been trying to handle things my way and I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. Like I'm hurting. I can't freaking figure it out. And to just admit that is the first step. Because it opens us up. It opens us up to God. You can't say freaking on the show. I have, to, I have to label it explicit now. Can I tell you something? I kid you not. I gave a talk. I won't say where, but I gave a talk a while back. And uh, they, this so a huge number of families. And um, the guy who, who, who the director was like, look, uh, we got great feedback. They loved it. He's like, there's only one piece of feedback that little critical feedback. Can I, do you want to hear it? And I was like, sure. He said, the family said that they felt like you said the word freaking too many times. And they, they, they knew what, what you really wanted to say instead. And so, and I was like, well, guess what? I'm saying the full word next time. Buddy. You know, you're getting the full on. Sorry. Oh, can, you, can you beep it out? No, I know I can't beep it. I don't have a machine like that. That's right. Make people, well, if I say it, I'll, I'll record myself saying beep and send it to you and you can. <laughs> Put it over <laughs> Freaking's okay. We'll go with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dr. Brunninger, it's been awesome to have you on the show. I appreciate yeah, you too, uh, joining us. It's been fun. And uh, I feel great now. So I'll <laughs> send you. Go, listen, be of, go upstairs and whatever's happening, be of maximum service yeah. to your family. What yeah. can you add? What well, can you add to the, to the stream of life? We'll see. We'll see what my wife says. So, uh, thank you. Thanks for joining for joining us. Where do you want to point listeners towards to to find to follow you to to, to get this book? I'll put links obviously in the yeah. show notes for, yeah. for the book and other things that that you are doing. Uh, where do you want to point them towards? Sure, um, that's great. Thanks, man. You're um, welcome. <laughs> so, I have a, a YouTube channel. I've been a little bit negligent on it. It's called Ask a Catholic Therapist. People sending questions, you can send a question in to askacatholictherapist at gmail.com. And I try to just answer your questions. And I've been a little bit behind on it, but I'm getting back to it. <laughs> the story of YouTube. <laughs> story. <laughs> I, uh, the other thing is I have an Instagram account, same name, Ask a Catholic Therapist. Um, you can buy the book at Emmaus Press. I mean, you, you can put a link in there. Emmaus Press has the book. Amazon has the book. Um, but also really excitingly, I'm very excited about this. Verso Ministries is a, a pilgrimage company, and um, I'm going to host a pilgrimage this summer with Verso Ministries, June 9th through the 19th, to Paris, Lisieux, and Lourdes, and it's going to be a, a healing pilgrimage. It's going to be a, a pilgrimage focused on healing our wounds and, and um, our emotional baggage, and so we're going to walk through the steps in the book and some other exercises and reflections and meditations. And we're going to bring ultimately all of our hurt and pain to our Blessed Mother in Lourdes and ask for her, her intercessory healing, um, her intercession for our healing. And I think it'll be beautiful, but um, I'm super excited. But I need like 30 people to go, and I think only one person <laughs> signed up right now, man. I need 30 people, but I think it will be absolutely life-changing. Yeah. And so um, it'll be with me and a chaplain and we'll do some deep work and we'll see some beautiful places. And so I hope okay, to see okay, you and your okay. family. I'll ask you my and wife your family, if I can Albert. come. Yeah, 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 I'm seeing, <laughs> bring your wife. 
<laughs> on the center. How do you gotta go do this thing? <laughs> what? what you, <laughs> that's fantastic. Awesome. I gotta say, Lords is a theme on this show lately. So listeners, next nice. week we'll also hear an episode all on on Lords. So something's going on here. I don't know what's uh, nice. what, uh, the Holy Spirit's got, <laughs> got nice. unwrapping here. That's pretty fascinating. Uh, that sounds awesome. And I'll put I'll put those links in the show notes. And uh, that's awesome stuff. And thank you so much. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation so much that I enjoyed having that conversation. I think that was very lovely. Uh, Dr. Brunninger is a fantastic guy. I really loved that. We had a great energy and I think hit it off. We talked beforehand after the fact for quite a while and really enjoyed just chatting with him. So that was that was lovely. Uh, this episode was recorded in the midst of chaos over here in, in my household. Uh, nothing crazy, just a lot of... <laughs> crying babies and early morning flights and tired people and all kinds of things so uh, if I said an incoherent well that was why so thanks for your indulgence and your patience friends <laughs> the cordialcatholic.com is our website for show notes and links that you'll hear about on this show we're on Instagram TikTok and uh, Twitter at Cordial Catholic fine and please follow us there the Cordial Catholic on Facebook and please send your feedback to cordialcatholic at gmail.com I love to hear from you guys your feedback helps to push the show to new heights and helps to improve things and lets me know what you're thinking so thank you please do reach out if you can please find and follow us on your favorite pod catching app uh, leave a rating and review if you can those ratings and reviews help to push the podcast out to new people and they're very very valuable uh, to receive so thank you friends for that we're on youtube at youtube.com slash the cordial catholic and please do help support this show if you feel so led patreon or paypal those links are in the show notes for you to do that if you feel like you want to Thank you, friends, in advance, and thank you for listening, guys. Week after week, I'll talk to you again next week. Please pray for me. I am praying for you. Take care, and God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.